This is the Marketing Podcast Network. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, Tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Stories influence, teach, and inspire us. But what about the storytellers who create them? Uncorking a Story profiles storytellers to uncover how their background and life experiences influence the stories they create. We learn what motivates them, their path to success, and what fuels them to keep creating. It all starts by asking one simple question. Where does your story begin? Welcome to Uncorking a Story. Now here's your host, Mike Carlin. Well, hello and welcome to Uncorking a Story. I'm your host, Mike Carlin, and today I'm excited to reintroduce you to Zaida Alfaro. Zaida was born into art. Her mother is an amazing artist, composer, and musician who taught Zaida how to play the piano when she was just 12 years old. She's taken the storytelling approach of her songwriting to pen two novels, the most recent being In the Key of Dead, which he joins me today on Uncorking a Story to talk about. Welcome back to Uncorking Hi. Story, Zaida. Thank you for having me back. This is this is really exciting for me. I was um, like I said, I I remember doing this interview with you five years ago for it for the last note, <laughs> and it wasn't last even note. via Zoom; it was a telephone call. That's right. So, <laughs> so this is pretty amazing. So thank you so much for having me here. Well, I'm happy to have you here, and I'm glad the last note wasn't the last, uh, well, I guess the last thing you've written. So that's uh, that's good. Um, where does your story, remind me, where does your story as an author begin, Zyda? Well, I'm a singer-songwriter, um, and I also gig a lot. I'm, I do live in Miami, Florida. And um, one day I went, I actually went to Target, and I saw a cozy mystery. And at that time, I didn't know that cozy mystery existed. I just, I didn't know that genre cozy was actually, you know, a genre. So I picked up this novel because it had a chocolate chip cookie on it. It was like chocolate chip cookie murder mystery or something. So I shop novels like I shop wine by the label or by the book cover. So I'm like, I picked it up and it was actually Joanne Fluke. And I, when I read her first book, I just fell in love with the cozy genre. And I read all her stories after that it was a series. And my sister goes to me, you read so many of these books. Why don't you just try to write one? I mean, you write songs. So I was like, you know what? That's a challenge. So I think I'm going to try it. And I started writing um, The Last Note based on my music, um, you know, the experiences I had with my gigs. And, you know, I was able to kill off the, the bar owner in the first book, which was great because I didn't really like him in real life. So it was like I was able to like, OK, this is good. I could like write my own story and not really, you know, it's not for real. So this is great. And um, so it kind of went into that's how I started writing a book, which is completely different from writing an actual song, by the way. <laughs> so, I mean. You know, a song can't go on for, you know, a couple hundred pages. So Exactly. 
So that's how it started. Thanks that's to my sister. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess we have her to thank. Um, and I know your your novels are heavily influenced by, you know, where you were born and grew up in in Florida. Tell me, uh, tell me about that. Is it fun writing about Florida? Because I think it's a fun place to write about. I've I I grew up there, and you know I I have a it's got a very special place in my heart. But I'm just curious, what's what's your take on writing about your home state? I love writing about Miami. Um, I I was born and raised here. My parents are Cuban, so I add a lot of the the Latin kind of Miami environment to my to my novels. So if you read it, that place that I'm talking about most likely exists. I just probably changed the name. So Miami is a very interesting place. If you just sit back, like if you go to a diner in, in South Beach and you sit back, it's it's nice to people watch because there are very uh, many different personalities. At my gigs, I meet very many people that have many different personalities. Um, the majority of my friends are probably the ones that started out as fans at my gigs. They, you know, they keep coming back. So I love writing about Miami. Um, I think that once when you read my novel, you'll feel like you are there and then you'll kind of get to know my family and my Latin culture through, you know, my my books. Well, I know we can't give away too much about the Key of Dead, but what can you tell us about in the Key of Dead? Um, Well, if you read the first book, novel the last note it's it's about a singer who's trying to make it into the music industry uh the second book in the key of dead she finally makes it and uh, she gets a record deal but unfortunately before she starts recording uh a murder happens so it kind of puts her record on hold so it's it's more like why is this happening to me again kind of thing so um a couple of the characters come back i've written a couple of new characters which that was really exciting to do um so yeah, that's that's a brief synopsis without giving a lot away well, well we can't give too much away um but i saw on your list of publicity you had an appearance or an upcoming appearance uh at, at books and books in um is that did, did, did that happen already or october 21st uh, the books and books in coral gables and um that's that's a dream for me because Books and Books is a very known bookstore here in in Miami, and it's been around, I guess, I think for like 40 years. And I go to Books and Books to hang out and have coffee or buy books. So the fact that I'm now going to be like an author giving up a book launch there is just like, wow, this is actually really happening. Like, I'm not, I'm not just going to see a, an author and go to a book signing like I am the author. So I'm like, oh, yeah, this is, uh, I like this. Yeah, that, that's all. I love that place. I love that courtyard. I, I last year I had coffee with a literary agent down there and we uh, had a nice time at Books and Books. I, I didn't want to leave. I mean, I, I love that. I just love the vibe of that place. It's it's so cool. And one of my favorite authors, Carl Hyacin, who's another you know Florida guy. Um, I think he either is about to do one for his new book or or just did one for his new book down there. But um, yeah, you're in you're in good company at Books and Books. Um, so, so, uh, just bring us up to date also on, uh, on music. Um, what is, uh, what is going on for you musically? Uh, good news is last year I released a song called Bulletproof Queen and it was actually a Grammy considered song. So that, that was, that was another dream that I, I reached. 
Um, I also released a song called Stay. I wrote it for my dad, who passed away six years ago, but it always feels like it was just yesterday. So I was able to finally write a song for him, and I released it last year as well, and um, also a song called Savannah. So I've been a little busy (laughs) writing music and also trying to complete in the key of dead which was uh, it was a goal of mine to finally finish it this year and and i did and it was just such a a big relief to just just type the end as you probably know how it feels <laughs> you're just like okay so yeah i've been i've been uh i i've been a little busy with the with the music but i had to kind of just step back for a second so i can actually complete the novel um and then i started the third one of the series it's like my my brain doesn't stop thinking about things you know yeah it's funny how that works is you know you finish one you think you might take a little bit of a break and then all of a sudden inspiration strikes and and you know these these characters are yours and and they they want to live and breathe and keep going so your uh your subconscious knows that and and is eager to put it back on the page I, I'm curious from from your first book to your second book, um, I'm sure you've evolved as a writer. Did you notice that the process or the timeline for writing the second book was different than writing the first book? It was different and it was a lot easier. And actually, my editor, uh, once he he did the first go of In the Key of Dead, he had done my first book as well. He's like, you could tell the difference of how much you've evolved as a writer because I didn't have to edit so much this time. And that made me feel happy. I'm like, I was ready for, you know, I was ready for like 10 drafts to come back at me. And and um, luckily he even noticed, but it was, it was, it flowed a lot easier. I, I you know, I, I didn't, I guess I kind of now knew what I was doing. So it was just, it, it was a lot easier. The characters came to me a little bit quicker the dialogue for me is the hardest to write in a book. The synopsis and the who, what, where, why is easy for me, like the outline of it. But when it comes to the dialogue, that's kind of like where it takes me time to just get in the zone and, and do it. And this time around, it was easier for me to, to, to write the dialogue and to create new characters. So, yeah, I could tell the difference. I was, a less, I was less stressed this time around than I was in the, in the first book. Because in the first book, I was like... Okay, I sing, I write songs, and um, let's see what I'm going to do. <laughs> kind of thing. This time around, I was a little bit more familiar with the process of, of writing the cozy mystery. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a it's a little bit of a, a um, maybe a, a relief on your on your subconscious too, because you know you've already done it before. You know you can do it, um, and then it's just a matter of you know getting getting those words on the page and and sticking to it every day. Do you have a process you follow when when you're writing a manuscript? I honestly, I look at my outline and I start from there, but I always have to have music playing in the background. It's just it, it it's the only thing that like just gets me in the zone. Um, and a couple of people find that interesting because they're like, doesn't the music kind of distract you? Yeah, yeah, because I'll start singing along and, and then typing, but it just kind of gets me. That's my process. I need to have music in the background, and I, and that's that's what helps take focus, actually. So, music is my process. So I have to ask, what is there one genre of music you lean on when you're writing, or is anything fair game? Um, my favorite artist that I like writing to would be Matchbox Twenty, Rob Thomas, or the Lumineers. 
the lumineers are just they're they're chill so then i'm chill <laughs> so so that's how i dive in and I'll, and I'll start typing either with a you know with coffee or a glass of wine and i'm good <laughs> so, that is my process is very complicated <laughs> Well, Rob Thomas is, uh, he's fantastic. He actually doesn't live too far from where I live. So he's in New York state. I'm on the border of New York and Connecticut. And I, I always seem to miss him. Uh, you know, I feel like I'm like an hour behind him when he's at like a restaurant that we go to or something like that. But um, I actually gave him the last note. I, I did a meet and greet with him um, a few years back. I reference Matchbox 20 and Rob Thomas a lot in my books. You will notice that both books, but the last note more than in the key of dead. And I took my book. I had my book ready to go. I, I noted where I mentioned him in the novel and I finally met him and I was freaking, I'm here holding my novel, freaking out. And he's just like cool, casual. He's like, Hey, how are you? I'm like, I'm not going to like, you know, I know I had all these things I wanted to say and nothing came out, you know? So he's like, what do you got in your hand? Like, he kind of reminded me that I was holding my book. I was like, I wrote this book. It's a cozy mystery and you are in it. He's like, really? That's cool. And I'm like, yeah. And I open the book and I show him and he reads it and he chuckles. And I was like, you thought it was funny? And he's like, yeah, it was pretty, this is pretty funny. And I was like, oh my God, I, I was like, I was, I was, it looked like an idiot, but I, it was just like a dream come true. And, um, I have photos, like they were taking photos of me, like handing him the book and freaking out and doing this. And, but it was, it was, um, I was so happy that I actually, whether he read it or not, I, I really don't care, but he had it in his possession. And I'm like, you're in it. Right. <laughs> so it was awesome. And I'm sure that's such a unique experience for him. I'm sure he definitely remembers that. I mean, <laughs> imagine like it's not, you know, I'm sure people give him things all the time, but giving him a book where he's actually, you know, somewhat of a he's mentioned in it, I think would be certainly memorable. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> Though I have to ask because I'm, I always like to observe, uh, you know, people's backgrounds. Um, which Golden Girl do you identify most with? I mean, you're wearing a Golden Girls uh, team. <laughs> um, is there a Golden Girl you identify most with or no? Um. I you know this is gonna sound funny, but Rose only because she's naive and sweet and you know so honest. And sometimes um, for me in this world, I like to kind of be naive and and kind of think that the world is is an amazing place. And so I like being naive and and I'm and I'm funny in a silly way. I don't mean to be. It just comes out, and I like to make people laugh. So I think I think Rose. <laughs> there you go. Rose is a good answer. If you said yeah. Blanche, that might you know raise a little raise an eyebrow here and there. <laughs> but uh, you know what I always thought was funny about that show, because this is taking me down a, a trip to memory lane. Um, uh, Sophia and Dorothy were only like a couple of years apart in age in like real life. Yet you got one playing the mom. You know, Estelle Getty is like. I know. I remember reading that. I was like, wow. It's amazing. Yeah. She was actually in this terrible movie with Sylvester Stallone called, I think it was called Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. Oh, come and, on. I liked that movie. Oh, my, okay. Come on. It was a, 
<laughs> I remember watching that movie with my brother. So we go to we go to the movie theater in town, and um, and we're I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know, we're Stallone fans. He's an action star, and at this at this point, he's trying to get into comedies, and you know, I, I'm just like, I don't know about this movie. Yeah, I liked it. I might I might have to give it another shot. Then I might have to go. <laughs> um, gosh, that's funny. Um. Well, another thing um, I'm noticing in your background is that painting uh, over your left shoulder. Is that a recreation? And what is that a recreation of? It looks so familiar to me. It, I don't think it's a recreation of anything. I just, I, when I found it, I, I don't even know what store it was. I just, I loved, it's three different pieces. So you can you know, hang it as however you like. I just like how one, I see them as people are reaching for one another in a in a little the the background is a little chaotic so it's just like you try to find your common ground in in a chaotic situation and that can be a person so that's why i like that painting yeah it to me it reminds me of something like on the sistine chapel or something um but uh well that's uh that's a wonderful interpretation people reaching out for something sure. another thing i wanted to bring up uh, since last we spoke and i know we spoke about this um sacred establishment years ago the dive bar, the A1A dive bar in Florida yes. is now turning into like a a bakery or coffee shop or something. And this just this makes me incredibly sad. I was very sad. Uh, Cody, which is uh, Cody and Gary were the owners of the dive bar. And I became Cody became one of my best friends um, when I started gigging there. And him and I just clicked right away. And actually, he's he's one of the characters in my second book. <laughs> Matt Evans, that is quote Cody, and um, he actually had to sell it a couple of years ago, and they moved to Nashville. Okay. So when he sold it, I was yeah, I have so many memories there, and so many people that I met there, and I I used to love gigging there, and uh, yeah, it's it's very sad that just part of my my past is now you know it's it's no longer there, but the memories are there. But yeah, I it. When he told me he was going to sell it, I was like, no, but, you know, times change and you have to move on. And I'm very happy for them. They're, they're, they're happy in Nashville, but yeah, it's, it's, it's closed. Yeah. It's sad. My, my parents live almost directly across the street from it. So I used to walk over there and, you know, I used to love just listening to live music. Of course, I'd smell like smoke when I'd leave there because you could, you know, cause they didn't serve food. I guess there was a, a rule that you could actually smoke in there. Um, so I didn't love that, like smelling like a, a chimney when I left. However, um, I saw some great local artists there. And one night they did a karaoke night and my twin brother and I are there. And uh, he's had, let's, let's say he's well lubricated. <laughs> that was, he picks like one of the longest songs you could do on karaoke. Because it's got like a minute and a half intro, Can't You See by Marshall Tucker. Okay. And I'm like, Jim, you realize like you're going to be standing up there doing nothing for like a minute and a half. And it gets really awkward. And then, like, they interrupted because somebody lost their keys. So they're like, uh, uh, somebody lost their keys, you know, come to the bar. And then they redo, like, the intro. And he's just up there, like, holding the microphone. But, he, man, he, he belted out uh, some Marshall Tucker that night. And I, I have nice. that on video. And I'll have to remind him of that later. <laughs> That's uh, awesome. 
So uh, one way I always love to get to know my guests a little bit more is through pop culture. So I'm curious, when you were growing up, what were some of your favorite things to watch on TV besides the Golden Girls? Oh, man. Saved by the Bell. Oh, Zach uh, Morris. Your California Dreaming. Do you remember that show? I know that I do not remember, but I absolutely <laughs> remember Saved by the Bell. California Dreaming. Um, with my father on the Saturdays, I would watch Tom and Jerry and uh he he loved cartoons, so therefore I loved cartoons. So we would do Tom and Jerry, Scooby Doo. Uh but a lot of the times I would go uh, riding, you know, on my bicycle. I and I don't watch much TV. I loved being outside and, and going around the neighborhood and riding my bicycle and finding treasures and, you know, making up stories in my mind and as long as I was back before the sun went down, you know. So yeah, I, I miss doing I miss doing that. That was the rule back, you know, when, when I was growing up, too, as long as you were home, you know, my mother actually had a dinner bell. So it was this whole it was, I swear to God, she had this old church bell and you could hear it in the neighborhood. And when you heard the dinner bell, you had to get your butt home. Um, it's, it's a true story, but I loved it, too. Like growing up in South Florida, you know, my brother and I would we would ride our bikes everywhere and my parents would have no idea where we were like at all you know we were just because we had it was you know it was a great neighborhood we grew up in in plantation and um you know it's 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 my kids didn't have that same kind of childhood you know like there were much more rules and structure everything was organized like the first time i ever heard of a play date i'm like what are you talking about this is but um yeah i i, I agree i loved uh loved riding bikes everywhere yeah, and, and like, for example, I, I hear my friends who have kids are like, oh, we have to stand in line to drop them off, like, at school or be in a line to pick them up. I'm like, what line? Like, I just remember, like, they just literally dropped us off in the corner and then we just walked to school. And it's like, what is this pick up and drop off? Did that exist in my opinion? No, no, it's so, it's so different. It's so different. And, my, you know, my kids, I, I watched um, Stranger Things with one of my kids. Well, and, and they uh, and my daughter's like, is that how it was? Because yeah, <laughs> like the first season takes place in like 83. Mm -hmm. And she's like, is that how it was? And I'm like, yeah, you would get mm -hmm. on your bike and then you would just do stuff with your friends all day long. There was no summer camp. There was no this and that. It was just you getting into trouble. Now, thank thankfully, we didn't find the upside down in uh, <laughs> the plantation. And But and, you know, you wanted to. Well, I <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, but that that is a great show. Um, what about music? I, I know you're a musician, so what um what did you like listening to growing up? Um, I I did like, like I said, Matchbox Twenty, Third Eye Blind, Google Dolls, you know, Counting Crows. Like, or growing up with my sisters, I listened to a lot of Tiffany and Debbie Gibson and New oh, Kids yeah. on the Block. You know, I, we just went to their their tour like two years ago. It was. New Kids on the Block, Salt and Peppa, um, Debbie Gibson, Tiffany, and uh, I think it was it was those four. And actually, it was a great concert. And being there with my two sisters, kind of reliving what they introduced to me as music, it was it was a lot of fun. But yeah, that that's pretty much what I listened to. And then every now and then I would listen to White Snake or Bon Jovi because my older sister, you know, had the cassette and, you know, that's what she would jam to in her, in her bedroom. And I was a big Madonna fan back in the, in, in the day as well. Sure. Um, and I had all her cassettes. 
I love how you're saying cassettes. That's another thing like like my kids generation has no clue about, um, you know, making a mixtape, you know, <laughs> they they come to the playlist. I'm like, stop it with your playlist. You need or a- you're like you're sitting there ready for the DJ to stop talking so you can like press record and play. So like the top 20 countdown can just record. Right. right. Yeah. No, it's real. It's real. I, I remember yeah. my dad bought a a Cadillac and he's like, girls, because he loved music as much as we did. And he loved Michael Jackson. You're talking about a Cuban man, right? Loves Michael Jackson. He's like, girls, when he got the, the new car, check this out. So we all sat in the Cadillac. <laughs> he puts in Michael Jackson. And all of a sudden he goes, watch. And then the, the cassette flipped by itself, which was a new feature. Auto reverse, I believe that's what yes. And we were all so excited about this. Like, and then the other side started like, why don't we have to pull, put it back in? So we, I had a, I had a mishap with a, uh, with a cassette tape once. So my dad, my dad worked for American Express and he ran their field office and plantation um that's actually what brought them down to florida from new york in the 60s so he had you know somebody created a jingle for american express i i don't know why but so he had a jingle he, he brings home this cassette tape and uh he plays it for us so we're like oh yeah fine my brother and i are like you know five six years old so we have my sister's tape recorder and we put we put his jingle in the tape recorder and then we record over it like we record like we're doing our own radio show and then like a few days later he's like hey boys where's that cassette tape i want to play it for a friend of mine <laughs> so he's playing it the jingle starts and then it like cuts to me and my brother just like talking like something <laughs> stupid and he just gives us the look and like we knew we were in trouble oh my god oh my god i haven't thought about that in over three years <laughs> what about the vh the vhs tapes be kind and rewind I loved going to Blockbuster on the weekend to pick <laughs> I, I hear you. But I would spend, and I find I do this now with like Netflix and stuff. I would spend two hours in Blockbuster finding something to watch and then getting home. And it'll always be something I've seen before because they were always out of whatever new movies were coming out. So, um, but I find it, I do the same thing now on Netflix. I'll spend like an hour looking for something to watch. And then I, I, I can't find anything. I did it last yeah. night. It's like, I've watched the internet. But do you recall Netflix when we used to order the actual DVDs oh, yeah. in the mail? I would wait for the mail lady. To the DVD. Oh, yeah. But they'd be scratched half the time. That was they'd be scratched. Um, but yeah, I loved it. I actually just found a box of VHS tapes um, and I have I still have a VCR because I have one of those VCR DVD combos mm-hmm. that I keep in case of emergency. And um I found it. I, I found some great footage of my twin brother as Aladdin in seventh grade, you know, <laughs> in a play, you know, followed by a white lion concert, you know, live. Oh, from- my God. You should do an episode on just memories like that. <laughs> Growing <idea>. up. <laughs> should. That's good. Uh, well, this this is a fun conversation. Um, I Just a couple more questions. Uh, but um, I'm curious, what have you learned about yourself as a writer? Um, you know, so uh, you've you've been a songwriter for a long time now, sort of writing long term fiction. Any big ahas in, into yourself um, as as you've been writing more long form stuff? Um, just the fact that I was actually able to publish one book was a was a big aha for me. 
Um, I didn't think I would ever consider myself an author or a mystery author for that. Um, but as I, I, I kind of stopped reading cozies because I was writing one and I started reading more like psychological thrillers and so forth. And the last year, probably towards the end of the year, I started writing a new book, but it was more of a psychological thriller. I, I, I geared off cozy and that was a big like, all right, this is pretty cool that I'm able to actually switch gears into cozy, which is like nice and you're okay that this person died and, you know, every, into, into something a little darker. So, and I didn't know that I had that in me. So that was a, a big moment for me recently where I could start writing something completely different than the cozy genre. Yeah. Kind of breaking outside, um, breaking outside, you know, the My genre. Own yeah. <laughs> that's, that's great. That's great growth right there. Um, I've done that too. Like I've written, you know, some cozy stuff and some comedy stuff. And then I tried to do like a, um, like more of a hallmarky type thing, uh, you know, Nicholas Sparks, uh, <laughs> And I, you know, I love that book. It just doesn't sell, you know, it just, I just, but it's a, it's a really, and people tell the people who've read that book told me it's, it's a great book, but um, sometimes like I, maybe, maybe I try to go too far outside of, um, you know, what people knew me for, but whatever, I'm still going to try. We have to try as writers. I mean, can't limit ourselves. And, and if we don't try, if we fail, fine, but at least we could say, you know what? I tried, I failed, but it's there. I have the product. And let's try something else. <laughs> That's what I normally do. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I agree. You got to try. You got to push those boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and last up here, um, as we're, we're ending our time together. Which Already? Is, which makes me see you now what well, time flies when you're having fun. I'm telling you. If you could write a letter to your younger self, um, I always like to call this the dear younger me question. Uh, what would you what would you say to the young Zyda? What would you tell her? I believe I would tell her to not be so hard on herself. Um, I think growing up, I I started my singing career when I was 18. And I was always very hard on myself because I compared myself to a lot of people or, you know, um, my music might have not sounded good enough for me, but it was me creating that. So I would tell myself to not compare constantly myself to other people or or take society so like seriously because everybody has a different way of how they look at society um, and to love myself a little more and uh, to accept who I am and not not criticize myself as I would tell my young and and luckily I have family who kind of motivated me to do whatever it is I wanted to do. If I want to write a song, I wrote a song. If, you know, if I wanted to travel here, I, I traveled there, you know, I'd go with them. So if I wanted to write a book, I wrote a book. So luckily I, I, I did things that I wanted to do, but I would tell her to just take it easy on yourself and everything's going to turn out okay. And everything is going to turn out the way that it's supposed to be. So just don't be so hard on yourself and just, you know, stop comparing yourself to other people as well. Yeah. It's such great advice where we are so hard on ourselves. You know, I, I find myself looking back, like I, 
was filled with so much. I don't want to say anxiety because I don't really suffer from anxiety, but I was worried all the time, you know, especially when my kids were younger. I was like, you know, worried about, you know, providing for them and, you know, all of that, all of that stuff. And then you just worry like as a parent, you just worry like as they get older. I think I worry more now. But of course, they're like we have triplets are 21 now. So now I'm worried about them, you know, doing stupid things. But thankfully, they haven't done anything too stupid yet. <laughs> so uh, what would you tell yourself? Ooh. Um, yeah. What would you tell your younger self? I would tell my younger self to uh, actually, I, st- I went to school to to become a psychologist like that. That was my dream. And that was my dream You know, from the time I was like 17 years old. I never wound up getting my my graduate degree in psychology. But that that's like I was so like laser focused on that, that I didn't. And I loved writing. You know, that's the thing. Like I look back on my college years. We had to take a bunch of writing classes. Um, you know, as part of our curriculum and um, or core core coursework, um, I would have told myself to 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 do more creative writing like younger because I never thought I could. You know, it was funny, like, you know, growing up with a twin brother, my mother, you know, my parents kind of put us in these two boxes. Right. Jimmy was good at music and th- therefore Michael had to be good at math. Uh, <laughs> and I was OK at math. I didn't love it, you know, but I mm-hmm. did love writing and I did, you know, find myself like when we would have like a like an English you know like a paper due um I would I would wind up like putting something different than like the other kids mm-hmm. um because I always saw the world just a little bit differently and or I'd like make a movie of of something instead of like doing a paper I'd get permission to like film a movie and this is before we had non-linear editing so right. <laughs> like me and two VCRs like putting together like this like this film um I would have encouraged myself to actually consider doing that for a living instead of, you know, what I wound up doing was going into marketing, which I, I can't complain about it. It's been a good career there, but um, I would have done something more creative because I didn't define myself as a creative person. Um, and I had a very limited view as to what creativity is. So I'd probably tell myself, hey, creativity is not just the ability to draw, which was my definition of it. And I can't do that. But um you know, it is a way of thinking. It is a way of problem solving. It is a, a way of expressing yourself. And um, that's what I would have told myself is just, hey, open up to the possibility that, you know, you are not meant for, you know, sitting in front of a desk all day long. How's that? No one's ever asked me that before. So thank you. <laughs> well, I was curious. I was curious to know. Yeah. Oh, but before we uh, log off, can I sure. can I share a fun fact with you? I would love a fun fact. Okay. So, the cover. This is the cover of In the Key of Dead. And I, if you I love the cover, I love the cover. Yeah. Uh, my publisher did a great job with the cover. Uh, if you see this bar of musical notes on top, that's actually uh, my song "Train Ride." The first bar to my song "Train Ride." Oh, fun what? fact. I think it is only appropriate then that you send me that song and I and I use it as an outro for this episode. I will definitely send it to you. It's actually my mom and my father's favorite song. Really? Now was that this... I've that I've ever written. No kidding. <laughs> that's that's fantastic. So we will we will definitely put that in the outro. And uh, so listen up, everybody. Uh, this interview, this this episode is not over when we say goodbye. There'll be a uh, a a song. Um, Coming up from uh, Zyda Alfaro Original. Zyda, where can people buy uh, In the Key of Dead? On Amazon. Amazon. Or ZetaMusic.com as well. You can get both books there or my music. So 
Um, I'm everywhere. You're everywhere. And I know you're going to be at Books and Books. So let's uh, let's make sure we we put that date on there. Uh, remind us the date you're going to be at Books and Books. Books and Books, the Coral Gables location, October 21st at 7 p.m. Um, and I'm also going to be ending the book signing event with a couple of original songs. I'll be playing a few songs for you guys. Zaida, if uh, people want to follow you on social media, are you active anywhere on social media? And give us those handles. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Zeta Music. All right, Zeta Music. I will be sure to put all of that in the show notes. And uh, Zeta, thank you so much for stopping back uh, on Uncorking a Story and letting me uncork yours once again. Thank you for having me. So many faces, so little time. Sitting on this train now, wondering why There's a girl with flowers and a man on the phone Sweetheart, I want to see your pretty face when I get
Thanks for listening to Uncorking a Story. If you'd like more information about today's guest or to find out more about Mike, go to uncorkingastory.com. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, rate, and review us at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tune in every week to hear Mike Carlin uncork a new story.